listening to the Beauty of the Nile podcast. I'm your host, Jasmine Mobley. The Beauty of the Nile podcast is your source for wonderful skincare tips, favorite skincare solutions, amazing advice, great conversation, and fabulous beauty inspiration, specifically for women of color from the experts on skin of color. We are here to affirm and amplify the beauty of brown skin in all shades and to encourage women of color to care for and love our brown skin. We believe that skincare is healthcare and self-care. Each episode features a different guest who will be dropping dimes to help you best care for and love your brown skin. I'm excited to be here with you. Let's get started. Today, I'm here with Dr. Natasha Henry. Dr. Henry is a medical doctor and skincare expert originally from the Caribbean. She was born in Jamaica, where she spent the first 14 years of her life before migrating to the Cayman Islands. She graduated from medical school in Nuevo León, Mexico in May 2021. Dr. Henry is bilingual and has a passion for skincare and business. In February 2022, she decided to start posting skincare content on TikTok and has grown a community of over 100,000 followers. She aims to make a difference in the skincare industry as a woman of color and medical doctor. Her goal is to educate others on how to properly take care of their skin and provide them with the tools to do that. Dr. Henry, welcome to the Beauty of the Nile podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Jasmine. I really appreciate it. This is an honor to be on this podcast. So thank you for having me. (laughs) Yes, it's going to be fun. Um, I know that you've had quite a journey to becoming a medical doctor and also being a skincare expert with quite a following on TikTok. Can you talk a little bit about what your journey to becoming a medical doctor and to becoming a skincare expert has been like so far? Yeah, so it's been it's been a hard journey for my medical school, you know, section of it. I started medical school when I was 16 years old. I went to Mexico. My parents shipped me off to Mexico. <laughs> just joking but they shipped me out to Mexico because it was it was a little bit easier to get into medical school there straight out of high school in fact I didn't even graduate high school I came back for my high school graduation in June of 2014 so I was very young and it was a hard transition you know because it was a foreign country a foreign language and being so young away from family like really it took a toll on me so medical school for me was hard academically but also emotionally as well and I think that's a part of medicine that nobody really speaks about but you know I survived (laughs) thankfully to God I made it and now I'm a bilingual medical doctor which was my main goal when it comes to skincare I've always had a passion for health fitness wellness because of my grandmother she's very much into skincare I grew up seeing her you know apply oils to her face and doing like um, massages because I'm originally from Jamaica so in Jamaica you know we use a lot of natural oils and all those things she really inspired me but my passion for recording and you know creating content for skincare really started during the pandemic like everybody else like everybody else I was really struggling with my skin and I started to consume skincare content then I realized that hey I know a lot now more than I did a couple years ago so I think I can help someone who is probably 
three steps or two steps behind me. You know, I don't have to be 10 years in the game to offer some level of advice. And I picked up my phone finally um, and I started to record, but I started to record content about plant-based foods and wellness. Then I realized that that really wasn't my passion. My passion was skincare. And I started last year, 2022, in February to start to record content. And ever since I've been here and I don't think I'm going to go back. So that's been my journey so far. (laughs) That's so awesome. And, you know, you, I think you mentioned there's a lot of like skincare influencers, big names that we all know. But what kind of inspired you to take that niche of approachable, but also professional, you know, skincare advice on the internet? Like, how did you kind of find that space? Yeah, it was very, it was very confusing at first, because I was like, okay, I'm not exactly an influencer. Neither am I a dermatologist, but I do know about skincare. So I kind of felt like a lot of imposter syndrome at first, because I didn't know where my place was. But then I saw regular influencers who didn't have any medical background teaching about skincare. And I decided that, you know what, I have a voice and someone somewhere will take my advice. And I always research, obviously, before I put on any content so I know that my content is research-based it's medicine based on evidence and given my medical background I knew that I could offer some sort of help to those in need in any way shape or form so that's when I decided that you know what I'm gonna create my own niche (laughs) I'm gonna create my own niche I describe myself as a medical doctor and skincare content creator because that is who I am and I own that and that is my space on the internet I love that. It is super unique. And I think what you said that at least drew me to you was, again, like you said, medical based, science based, like it's based in facts. And also, you know, you do, I've seen that you do layer in like what you like and a bit of your opinions, but it's all rooted in science and fact, which I think is super important for everyone. And especially, you know, for people of color who are looking for experts to kind of give them advice. And there's so much information out there, but like, I think that you have a space on the internet that is really trust trustworthy, trustable. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I think that's great. I think you've done a good job of carving out that space for yourself. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, okay, so when you think about, you know, in like five or 10 years, what is the impact that you hope to have through your work as both a medical doctor and a skincare, skincare content creator? Like what mark do you hope to leave? I really want to inspire young people to really pursue their passion outside of their careers. A lot of time, especially medicine, especially as medical doctors or medical professionals, we tend to be boxed in. We tend to be, oh, I'm either a doctor, I cannot be a musician, an artist, or I'm either a cardiologist, have to be that, cannot <laughs> dabble into skincare. I really want to inspire people that, you know, to know that you are a multifaceted human being and you should accept explore that so even if you're you're let's say you're a cardiologist but you really love to to dabble in skincare you can no one says you have to fit into one box and that's something that I really want to leave I really love business I really love skincare and it is my goal to merge the two and to show that you can pursue your passion and pursue your dream and still be an awesome human being you don't have to be the jack of all trades but just be the jack of your trade that is what I want to do. I think that's such a great lesson. I think you're right. You know, we've interviewed a lot of dermatologists, doctors, naturopathic doctors, you know, estheticians, all of those things on the podcast. And I think a lot of them talked about, you know, early in their career feeling like 
they had to just be one way. And I feel like now it's so great with social media that more of the world is getting exposed to you guys and all of your knowledge and also just how multifaceted you are, right? Like not only could you be my doctor, but also you're a real person and you're, you have real experiences, right. And multiple interests, which is normal, right. That's what pe- people are pretty complex and intricate. So I think it's really great that you model that. And I hope that more doctors, more black doctors, more doctors of color see that and see a space for themselves as well. Cause I think that's so important. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Okay. So this is like one of the things that interested me most about your story of practicing medicine in Mexico, trying to transition to the United States, um, for people listening like myself as well. Can you talk about some of the unique challenges that have come with that and kind of where you are with it now? Yeah. So I can't speak for practicing inside of the U S because it's, it's a bunch of steps, especially as an international medical graduate. However, I can speak about practicing in Mexico and based off, you know, speaking to other people and speaking with my friends, I know that it is, it is completely different as a medical student. I was delivering babies. That's something that you can't do over here until you're probably like a first year resident. So I had my whole year of medical internship in the hospital working shifts for 36 hours. I do not recommend that. That is horrible. (laughs) However, when I did graduate, I had the, I had the opportunity to work as a consulting doctor in a pharmacy. So in Mexico, we have pharmacies with the consulting doctor's office you consult, the doctor sends you, get your medication. And I had the opportunity to be one of the only, well, the only female doctor, the only black female doctor to do that. So really and truly practicing practicing medicine in Mexico gives you a level of autonomy that I'm really grateful for that I wouldn't have gotten if I probably went to, you know, the US or the UK. So when it comes to healthcare, they're not as strict as the US when it comes to certain things. But that allows you sometimes as a medical professional to really help your patients. I had a incident where this young lady came to me and she had hyperthyroidism. She did not know, but based on her symptoms, I sent her to do, to go do blood work and it came back. Her levels were super high. So immediately, you know, send her to an endocrinologist because I'm not an endocrinologist. However, she told me that she didn't have insurance. So in that moment, I was like, what do I do? So I told her, okay, what you're going to do, you're going to come back tomorrow and we're going to, we're going to organize everything for you. I went home and I studied, <laughs> I studied, I read back the guys, I did everything. And she came back to me. We started a treatment plan for her. And six weeks later, I saw her again. And then I went on vacation for four weeks. I left her, her treatment plan. And before I left Mexico, I was able to see her again. And her thyroid levels were super normal. And I felt so happy that I was able to help her. So definitely practicing in Mexico allows you to go, I would say to go the extra mile for your patient, in my opinion, because you know that they don't, they probably don't have other resources in certain areas, the area where I was, you know, it was like a poor area. So you really have to go above and beyond. There's no computer sometimes in certain areas for you to do notes. So you have to like be on your P's and Q's. So transitioning to the US, I think the most difficult part for international medical graduates is having to prove ourselves, to prove ourselves that we're worthy to be in the system. And we are, you know, because we train really hard just as any other doctor all over the world. And I'm not really sure what it is that makes a system so like, you know, the stigma against international medical graduates. But I really hope that can change very soon because we all deserve a chance. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it sounds like one of the things that I took away from listening to you talk is 
it sounds like you learned a lot of ways to be resourceful in medicine, right? And to really like, you know, um, be adaptable at like a, early in your career, which I think is really cool experience that you can take with your, yourself anywhere, whatever country you practice in. Um, so when you come to the U.S. from any other country to try to practice medicine, do you have to go through the education system again? Or do you, can you just like apply for jobs? I'm not familiar with how that works. No, so it the U.S. system doesn't have doesn't have um, general practitioners like other countries. So if you're gra- if you graduate from medical school, you can't just go and apply for a job like that. You have to do a residency. So to do that, you have to do your step one and step two, and then you have to do rotations and then go through the matching process of being paired to a hospital, and then you can start working. So it's a process that can take international medical graduates one to two years, sometimes three years, just to get into the system. So that is the process. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah. So I have a lot of friends in the United States who are dermatologists or other medical doctors who've done their residency, but I've never, you know, known someone closely who transitioned from another country to practice medicine. So it's super interesting. And I hope, I wish you great success because you know a lot, you have such great care for your patients, I can tell. So I hope that you know, it goes really smoothly for you or as smoothly as it can go, because I think people would be lucky to have you as their doctor. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so much. Absolutely. So one of the things that we say a lot at Beauty of the Nile is love your brown skin. And we, you know, I think that loving your brown skin can be a lot of things, right? It can be how you feel about it, how you take care of it, what your experiences are in your skin. So I'd love to talk a little bit about some of your biggest skin concerns, whether they're current skin concerns or just things you've dealt with in in life. Can you share a little bit about that? Oh, yeah, for sure. My skin concern, even currently, is post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. I break out normally around my menstrual cycle, so I suffer from hormonal breakouts. It's not as bad as, you know, certain people, but I will get, like, one and two pimples, and it really causes, like, hyperpigmentation, even if I don't pop my pimples because I try to keep my hands out of my face. So back in 2019, that was my main issue, post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation and large pores. I was able to get that under control. However, about a month or two, I had another wave of of breakouts. <laughs> so that is something that I'm currently struggling with. So that is something that I also want to teach my audience is that skin goes through cycles and skin heals. Like it, it can heal. It just takes time. And sometimes you feel a little bit less than I was talking to my mom today and I was like, I just don't feel like myself, you know, especially when you're on a platform teaching someone about something, you want to feel like you have to have the best of the best. But that goes to show that we're human, you know, you break out, you have post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. And that that's my skin concern. That's honestly so relatable. And a few of the women who have been on the podcast who are doctors and estheticians have said the same thing where it's like, you know, they're your dermatologist and they feel like, you know, patients expect them to have perfect skin all the time, right? Like, oh, I want that. But I think you're right. Like seeing that, oh, you have skin problems or skin concerns too, right? That you've dealt with and here's how you've worked through them, I think is like, super approachable. And I think at least for me as a person, as a consumer, as a patient, like I really value that, right. Knowing that the person I'm going to has experience with it, even personal experience too, I think is, is great. Let's take a quick break here. Since you're listening, I want to make sure that you have access to all of the great beauty of the Nile content. Make sure you're subscribed to the beauty of the Nile newsletter. Of course it's free. Just head on over to beautyofthenile.com.
Enter your email to subscribe. It's super quick and easy. You can do it now. We'll be right here when you get back. Enjoy. And I also, I was really feeling you when you were talking about the hyperpigmentation because me too, on my period all the time, it's very distressing. (laughs) So have you ever tried, so a lot of, we've had a lot of like beauty editors and, you know, beauty experts on the podcast and they've tried various fun beauty treatments to address their skin concerns, like LED light face masks and things like that. One person was telling me about like a sheep placebo or something crazy, like a facial it was wild. This, so I'm, I'm wondering, have you ever tried any treatments like that or, or interesting things that have helped you address these concerns or even if they're not helpful, if they're just interesting? <laughs> no, I can't say I've done anything like out of the ordinary, like extreme. The most I can say is that I went a little overboard with DIY skincare. Would not recommend because you can't really control, but I have put tomatoes on my face. Turmeric, turmeric, you know, it's fine, but to a certain extent. But I've done like the tomatoes, the avocados, and I'm just here to say just eat your food. It does better <laughs> inside of your body than outside of your body. But I really want to get my first chemical peel. I've never had a chemical peel, but suffering from my hyperpigmentation, I really want to find someone who's really good at that. You know, I'm new to the area, new to California, and I was making a few calls, but a lot of places where I live don't really specialize in skin of color. And with chemical peels we have to be really careful so I think I'm gonna see a doctor you you actually recommended her Dr. Paul so when I get oh, yes. back yeah <laughs> when I get back I think I'm gonna make my appointment with her and see what I can do but that's that's as far as I have gone yeah the tomatoes on my face <laughs> yeah wow that I mean you know you're not the only one I feel like I've heard through doing this podcast and just talking to everyone in the beauty of the now community people have tried a lot of foods on their face and sometimes Sometimes I wouldn't say they work necessarily, but they're not like the worst results in the world, but you're right. I think maybe there are probably like more elevated or effective ways to get the same results. But I do think like culturally, right. In a lot of cultures, you know, DIY has been something that people did for centuries. Right. Um, But I think it's also good to, you know, like you said, take a science-based approach when you can as well to get the most effective results. Um, And I'm also very happy you're going to go see Dr. Paul. She's been on the podcast and like been a part of this community since day one. So I love that you guys are, you have to send me like a selfie or something when you, when you go get your I met her last year and I was like, oh, she's, she was really nice to me. I really appreciated that about her. But what you said about the DIY skincare is really true because being from Jamaica and the Caribbean, aloe vera is something that we use a lot. Like I used to suffer from eczema a lot when I was younger. So my mom would mix aloe vera and like rub it in my scalp, put it on my face, Nivea, like just like heavy creams, heavy lotions and DIY stuff really can help. But I think as science evolves, we realize that we don't have to, we don't have to use our food for that. We can just eat it. But you know, in, pe- people don't have access to skincare, you know, different socioeconomic backgrounds, which I totally understand. So what I would say is that if you're going to do DIY, at least do a little research about it first and then you know make sure you're not harming your skin right exactly yeah get into the ingredients and what can work well together and what's good for your skin and go on tiktok and listen to people like you people like you specifically not just anybody (laughs) um because there are some wild tiktok trends like skincare trends that i see people doing i'm like that doesn't seem that doesn't seem safe (laughs) i agree So this question, I've, I've been thinking this a lot, you know, this idea of like skincare is healthcare. 
And mm-hmm. I've asked that to a lot of the medical professionals who come on the podcast, like what does skincare as healthcare mean to you? Do you have any perspective on that? Yeah, I do. I think skincare has been, you know, for the past couple years has been like really more forward, but I feel like we still have a lot of stigma when it comes to skincare. I feel like it's superficial. You're literally taking care of the largest organ of your body. It helps to protect you from all the pathogens and viruses outside. So I feel like once we start to approach it from a medical perspective, not just from a, oh, like I want to look beautiful or I want to look younger, but I want to protect my body. Like it is literally fighting against everything. I think that's where skincare is healthcare comes in and once you realize also that healthcare is it's also multifaceted it's not just physical it's mental because when you look good and your skin is glowing you feel good about yourself and that's mental health as well so it is just really it's really a thing that people overlook that it's not just physical it's mental spiritual emotional and it really is healthcare it's so true that's such a good answer and I think you're right like you know, your skin is your armor, it fights things literally and figuratively. I think that's such a good thing. I love that answer. It's a great one. Thank you. Yes. So when you hear me say love your brown skin, what does that mean to you? Love my brown skin. I think cliche, it means to love the skin that you're in, you know, feel that your black is beautiful. However, to me, I feel like love your brown skin simply means that just love yourself for who you are. Rip, rip the skin off, you know, just you're just flesh and blood, just like everybody else. And you happen to be brown. (laughs) You happen to be brown. You happen to be black. Feed yourself like you would feed the other parts. You feed yourself like how you would feel people you wouldn't tell your best friend that she's fat that she's ugly you know that she has no worth you would hype you would be your best friend's hype man and I think that's what we need to do for ourselves and especially more as black people as brown people you know like society doesn't do that for us and we tend to wait on other people to create spaces for us this is why I love this podcast because you're creating a space for us like we have to go we have to create our own spaces and not wait on other people to validate us not wait on other people to love our brown skin know that we're worth it we're just like everybody else we just happen to be a little we just happen to have a little bit more melanin and that's okay yeah we were just tanned a little longer so god just bless us with a little more a little more tan whatever that looks like but I yeah I'm so grateful that you feel that way and so glad that you're on the podcast and I love asking that question to people because it I always get a different answer and it's fun to hear what it means to what it means to you. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. So what does being a part of the beauty of the Nile community mean to you? I feel honored. Like, like in all honesty, I feel honored that I'm a part of this community of just uplifting brown and black women. In society, you know, growing up as a young Black girl, I felt like I wasn't enough. I felt like I had to be a certain shade of Black, even to be considered beautiful. I grew up with a light-skinned mom. My mom's like probably two, three shades lighter than me. And every time we would go out without my dad, men would always, always like call to her. In Jamaica, we have a saying, they will call you browning, like the shade of your skin. They'll say, oh, hey, browning. And I thought automatically that... My mom gets called that a lot because she's brown. 
or because she's light-skinned means that she's beautiful so I spent all of my childhood wanting to be light-skinned not knowing that my black was also beautiful so I'm really happy to be a part of a community of women that can help to uplift the other generation and to show that you you not only can be brown and like be a pretty influencer but you can be brown and be a doctor and be a lawyer be a businesswoman you can be all of those things and just embrace who you are and you're still beautiful I think that's so I think that's so important and so good that you said that and I think that's really the thing right beauty is so subjective right beauty can be so many different things I think what you said is really true though like beauty comes from inside and how you feel about yourself and if you feel good about yourself no one can ever take that away from you right and like how much more beautiful would the world be if every little girl like you said grew up not having to doubt or feel like they're less than because of the color of their skin relative to somebody else. Because the thing about colorism, right, which we talk a lot about is that everybody loses in that game because there will always be somebody who's lighter than you, right? And if you're like running this race to that, I mean, you, you will always lose and it was created for you to lose and it's so divisive. So I think you're right. Like lifting each other up is definitely what we want to do. And I'm so glad, I'm so glad that you feel that way. Yes, thank you. Yeah, it's it's so important because like, even when it comes to colorism, I feel like we still have a long way to go as Black people, as colored people, because if I type on YouTube or Google, you know, businesswoman, to see someone who looks like me, I have to type businesswoman, Black woman or Black girl. And even then, only a certain type of black girl or black woman comes up with a certain aesthetic for example I have locks and I don't see a lot of black women in the professional space with locks or if they're represented a certain type of way it's a it's a certain color scheme so we really have to get rid of that mentally as well because I still see this in the Caribbean I have friends who work in English slash Dutch countries and my friend she tells me the treatment that she gets at work because she's a darker skin color versus a lighter skin color it's still some something that's really prominent especially in the Caribbean we have a lot of bleaching going on you know it's still something that we have to work on and that's something that others can't fix we have to fix that within the community before we try to you know take it outside it's so tr- it is really true right and and it, what's what was most interesting first of all everything you said is 100% true and the bleaching thing is so prevalent. And I think one of the most interesting things to me when I started this podcast, because I knew these issues existed. That's why I started. I was like, let's talk about it. Let's lift each other up because I, you know, me and the people that I know, my friends, my family, we can't be the only ones, you know, who are aware of this or hearing it and see it as a problem. But the craziest part is how many different cultures, right. Of Brown people all over the world, all different shades. They're like, Oh yeah. in my family, you know, my mom wanted me to bathe in bleach or in my family, I was asked to use fair and lovely and all of these stories that come in. And I think it's, you know, if we can figure that out amongst ourselves, like you said, I think there's so much we can do together versus apart, you know? I agree. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's a wild thing, but I think, yeah, the more we have conversations, the better it will get, because I think it's one of those things that's been quiet for so long. Like nobody talks about it out loud and no one addresses it. Um, but it's a real, it's a real, it's so insidious. It's, we could probably have a whole another conversation just about that. I think we talk a lot about racism and we talk a lot about how other people treat us, but we don't talk about how we treat ourselves. Like, for example, I'll give the example always of Jamaica because that's where I grew up. I came to the Cayman Islands when I was 14, but they would insult you by saying that you're black and ugly. 
why is my black associated with being ugly? <laughs> you know, like, right. and it's something that still happens today. And it baffles me that we're in 2023 and these things are still happening. So there's a lot to do internally. There's a lot of work for us to do internally. And I'm so happy that you have taken the initiative to start this podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. And we could probably have a whole another conversation about the ways that we see color as a manifest itself and how we could fix it. Because I think you're right. It's, it's, it is wild how people treat each other. And I'm like, do you, do you realize what you're saying? Like, it's kind of, it's sick. And I also think it's more harmful when we do it to each other almost, you know, than when other people do it to you, because it's like, you should understand, you know? And so I think, uh, I think it's, I'm so glad we're having conversations like this because I think that's where you start to raise the issue and people, you know, I have had people message me and say that, you know, some of these conversations that we've had on the Beauty of the Nile podcast have had them change the way that they think about their own skin color or people in their family or force them to have conversations. And I think that's where you start to see change is like just showing people kind of, you know, what it is and what it could be um, and how it could be better. So I totally agree with you. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So if you had like a parting message for the Beauty of the Nile community, which is full of women of color from all different backgrounds, all different ethnicities, shades of brown, and how you want them to feel about their beauty, what would you tell them? Hmm, That's a good question. I think I would tell, I would tell them to heal their inner child. Heal that girl, that little girl who felt like she wasn't beautiful enough, whether that's by not being light-skinned enough or not having the curly hair or not having the straight hair heal that girl whatever it takes if it takes therapy if it takes you just isolating yourself from people who make you feel less than do that work because once that inner child is healed that's when you can start to flourish that's when you can prosper that's when you can realize that people's opinion of you your skin color who you are as a black woman doesn't really matter and that's when you can live in your your truest self and that's something that I'm learning I mean I'm still young but I really you know you suffer trauma especially as children especially black children growing up in certain environments and you don't realize that it's trauma until you're older and until you've gone to therapy and you're like oh that makes sense and that happens when you take the time to really decide that you want to heal that inner child and that's why you can flourish as a beautiful black woman in any capacity if you want to live the soft life if you want to be the business babe you will flourish if you heal the inner child I think that's such a I love that I have nothing to add actually I think it's beautiful I feel like I'm cheering for all your answers but that is that's I love that answer Thank you so much. You're welcome. So my last question for you, if you had to recommend one person for me to interview next, who would it be and why? Um, When it comes to the skincare expert and influencer aspect, there is an influencer. She's also Nigerian. Her name is Nike. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her, but she's on TikTok. She is she's the epitome of strong black woman who gets business done. I respect, I haven't met her, but I respect her. She exudes workmanship. She exudes character. And she's just like, she's a, she's a game changer in the industry when it comes to darker skin toned women, especially she's a voice for all of us. And I believe that she has a lot to say that sometimes isn't received well, maybe because of who she is. However, I feel like she would be a 
beautiful guest to have because I know she has a lot to offer. I love that. And I love, you know, like you said, the perspective of on darker skin tones and skincare influencers specifically speaking to that, because I think it's, it's so important. And I think you're right. It's hard to really trust. I mean, in my family, we have every shade of brown from light brown to the darkest brown. And I think that's one of the things that I try to think about with Beauty of the Nile is like, how do we represent everyone on that spectrum? So everybody feels seen and heard. And so I have not met Nika yet, but I definitely want to reach out and get that perspective. So thank you for suggesting. And you've actually come up with like a new suggestion that I hadn't heard because, you know, sometimes I'll hear repeats or something like that, but you've added someone new and that says something because I'm often like, searching or scrolling, consuming beauty content. So great suggestion. Thank you so much. This was super fun. I really enjoyed the discussion with you. (laughs) I had so much fun. I'm so glad that you came on the Beauty of the Nile podcast today. You were such a great guest. It was fun. It was informative. And I want, you know, for anybody who's listening, who wants to stay connected with you on social, can you um, share your social handles? Yeah, sure. So you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and on YouTube as at Dr. Natasha Henry. So that's at D-R-N-A-T-A-S-H-A-H-E-N-R-Y. That's where you'll find me. I post my skincare content and I also try to post my life because as I said earlier, I'm I'm multifaceted. So you'll get skincare, a little bit of fitness, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. (laughs) You'll you'll enjoy it. Yes, you'll see a whole person, which is great. And I will make sure that we tag and link your social handles in the show notes too, so everyone can find you. And um, we're over at Beauty of the Nile on Instagram and beautyofthenile.com. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Jasmine, and continue to do the good work. And I wish you all the best. I hope that you all enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Dr. Henry was both incredibly informative and extremely authentic. I loved hearing about her journey to becoming a medical doctor and skincare expert. She also had some important reflections on her experiences with colorism growing up. Now she hopes to be a part of the change. Love your brown skin. I'm excited to continue to bring you amazing, empowering, enriching conversations for women of color from the experts on Skin of Color. This is Jasmine Mobley, and you've been listening to the Beauty of the Nile podcast. Beauty of the Nile is your source for wonderful skincare tips, favorite skincare solutions, amazing advice, great conversation, and fabulous beauty inspiration, specifically for women of color, from the experts on skin of color. Love your brown skin. Tune in next week, same time, same place, for more stellar information and a new amazing guest who will be dropping gems. You won't want to miss it. For more great content, head to beautyofthenile.com to sign up for our free newsletter and to be the first to know what's next at Beauty of the Nile. Join us on Instagram and all social channels at Beauty of the Nile. And join our Facebook group, Beauty of the Nile Community. We can't wait to connect and grow with you. Until next week, enjoy life.